you know, for me, you know, it's not a Darden brother film. Like we're not making this one rigorous choice to be handheld and to stage each scene in one long take. Right. Like the, the language depends, you know, it depends on the moment. Hello, and welcome back to The Director's Cut, brought to you by the Directors Guild of America. Today's episode takes us behind the scenes of director Eliza Hittman's new drama, Never Rarely, Sometimes, Always. The film tells the story of Autumn and Skylar, cousins and inseparable best friends who are navigating adolescence in rural Pennsylvania. When Autumn finds herself pregnant and hemmed in by conservative legislation, the duo board a bus bound for New York to find the help she needs. In addition to Never Rarely, Sometimes, Always, Ms. Hitman's directorial credits include the feature films It Felt Like Love and Beach Rats, and episodes of 13 Reasons Why and High Maintenance. Ms. Hitman spoke with director Greta Gerwig about filming Never Rarely, Sometimes, Always in front of a virtual audience. Listen on for their spoiler-filled conversation. Uh... I am so happy to be here with you doing this. I wish we were in 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 person um, uh, in that beautiful theater, um, but I am am thrilled to be here now. As I was saying to you, um, this is the last movie I saw in the movie theaters, and I saw it the Monday before everything stopped, and it was such an incredible screening, and it was it's it's such a, a, a a gorgeous, emotional, beautiful, like I love your film and I love the actresses and then they were there and they were so wonderful. Like everything, it was like this magical night of a, just this extraordinary film. And then I got to be there with you and those those young women. And I just, um, and I, and I'm, I'm glad in some ways because it was just, um, it was such a great, such a great one. And so anyway, if it's the last one, it, it was a great one. And um, so I'm glad to be here with you now. Um, I sort of, um, I wanted to start with something that is, I mean, when I think about your film, um, it's, it's so, uh, I, I hate the word naturalistic because that feels like it's, um, minimizing the skill of it or is it the 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 kind of craftedness of it which I know is there and I think of all these moments that are so perfectly made and tender and they feel intimate without ever feeling exploitative of the girls or the moments and I think of like their hands touching or these tiny things like these these ways that you are with these women but aren't um on top of them. And I was wondering as a writer and as a director and with a story like this, do you start thinking of this film in images or do you start thinking of this film in words? Where does that start for you as a director? Um, well, I will just also say thank you for doing this. And the film opened on like a really dark kind of disastrous moment. and human history and the fact that you came out on that night was very meaningful <laughs> so thank you um and it brought a lot of magic to the atmosphere um so thank you um it's interesting like I think you know in my mind I always knew the kind of spine of the film before I wrote it 
I knew it was going to start in Pennsylvania and I knew they were going to go to New York and I knew like the general structure. So there wasn't like a question about like what would happen just like in terms of the plot. But I did have like strong images that made me excited to write it. Yeah. And like one of the images for me was um, there's a moment in the film where they wander into an arcade and they, Play tic-tac-toe Sydney's character Autumn plays tic-tac-toe chicken and it was like this moment and this metaphor for the story you know that she's playing you know she's playing a game that's rigged this whole system is rigged against her yes so I start with a lot of those ideas because those are the things that make me excited to direct the movie and I don't think of myself as like um, a writer in a traditional way. For me, those micro moments are what drives the storytelling. Right, and when it just the because it's so um, it's so beautiful the way it's shot. Like when you have this idea of like, okay, the get this. You know, I have an image of this, and I love that's it's great. It's so perfect and great, and and the way that it unfolds in the film is it. It never, nothing ever draws attention to itself to signpost anything. It's like it's part of this fabric of what, you know, this, this story and this journey, this hero's journey unfolding. But I, um, when you, when, then when you're working with your cinematographer, um, who's, she shot all your films, yes? She shot two. <laughs> she shot two of your films. So <laughs> when you guys are working together, do you have a sense of um, of of saying uh, this this is the image, or is, is it that you say this is the scene now? What and then you're figuring out with her what's the best way to get it? Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, because I'm always I'm always, I I think I'm always fascinated by like. essentially what I'm asking is are you thinking in pictures constantly or are you thinking in those those images and then you figure out how to get the picture does that make sense Mm -hmm. I I think um it's been different for each project and I think there's something nice about continuing a relationship with a cinematographer for that reason because we know what we've done and how but we're making a new film Right. Um, I I think um, with regards to like the feeling and the naturalism, mm-hmm. I think, you know, for me, you know, it's not a Darden brother film. Like we're not making this one rigorous choice to be handheld and to stage each scene in one long take. Right. Like the, the language depend, you know, it depends on the moment. Um, and I think you know, some places I have like really specific ideas, like in the operating room, you know, the camera, there's a scene where she gets the laminaria inserted and the camera dollies along the table, it reaches the end. And like in places like that, it's very decisive. We're gonna move up to her hand and then we're gonna come back and the, the doctor's gonna take off her gloves and it's done. You know, yeah. and those things are really specific. In other areas, um, Helen Louvard built this special rig. That's, wait, tell me about the special rig. Where is it? For, yeah, what are you doing? Had somebody make it. 
in France. Um, And I don't know if it even has a name. Okay, I love this. (laughs) But it's essentially like the camera is hanging and suspended from a cord. Uh Uh-huh. And um, this device is able to move. So it gives her the ability to sort of float the camera and operate, but it erases her, her movements. So it's almost like a, like a, it's almost like a partial steady cam, but not, it's, but, but, but it's somewhere like. Somewhere between a steady cam and an easy rig. That's cool. That's really neat. So it, it can do like a 360 and she can go right. up and down um, and she has a certain level of control over it, but you never feel her movements. Right. Yes, that makes sense. It explain. The, it, I think sometimes with things that feel, um, you sort of say saying, I mean, I love the Darden brothers, and but I, but I know what you mean about like sometimes things that um, it's like it, it it's like it feels intimate without feeling like intrusive in any way. Which sometimes, if it's entirely handheld, you feel like you can feel the person behind the camera, which makes you feel like the people aren't alone. Like there's like, and I, and I'm always, I think the thing you created with these actresses is they do feel very alone in, in this, in the city with each other on that. But like, they don't feel, you feel worried for them in, in the, in their aloneness. And I think it must be part of the way the camera moves that you don't feel like, but there's a person there standing with a cat. Like it feels um, delicate This this device that she made kind of allows for the camera to move fluidly and breathe, but with no shake of a person and readjusting and um, moving. And um, I don't know, it created like a very like sort of, you know, cam, like character motiv- motivated movement throughout the film that is more delicate than it would have been had she been on an easy rig or handheld. And is for, um, and how does that, I mean, does that, having that ability with the camera, does that influence um, the way you think about blocking in terms of giving your actors freedom? Or do you, are you, how, how do you, how does I block? I think it gives you? all of us freedom. Yeah. Because yeah. it allows the actor to move more without her having to sort of chase, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and I can kind of stand next to her and point you know, like I can, we can roll the camera and then I can give her kind of quiet directions about details to catch, you know, go from her, you know, to the chicken, back to her, you know, and find right. all these movements, you know, right. based on um, the character's actions. And when, so when you're, uh, you, you were, th- th- these, I, I read a bit about um, the, rehearsal process you went through with your wonderful actresses who are just so they're just oh they're just so great in your film and they're just such one I I don't I I feel I feel sort of extra emotional about them because I got to meet them and um but they uh but you have you had 
a short rehearsal time with just the two of them. It was like a couple of days to build this. And did were you did you would you rehearse with them on location or did you they did you say well we'll get there when we get there? How was that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know you've made so many independent films. You know that like you know there's so limited time. Mm -hmm. to have all of this like this important process and I don't know I I feel you know like as a director I'm not a magician you know I can't just make those performances and the movie happen without a real process and you have to find ways to carve it out for yourself otherwise it gets trampled over yes Um, and I I think rehearsal is always what goes when they're like They're like, oh, you don't need that. You'll just show up. Can you imagine doing a play and that happening? It would be like. No, no, because with plays, it's it's Mm -hmm. it's the thing you you, you have to. Um, Yeah. But with the girls, I I tried to spend two or three days with them and I brought them to my apartment like away from the movie, you know, and away from the production and away from a rehearsal space because I just wanted it to be us. Right. Spending time together. And they, you know, they both had this sort of, um, you know, like connection because they're both randomly from Buffalo sort of from different sides of the tracks, but okay. both from the same place. And they had things in common that I knew about, mm-hmm. like in terms of their family lives. Mm-hmm. And I bought them each marble notebooks. And I asked them really personal questions about themselves because the way that I write, there's not really backstories for the characters and I didn't want to because they're young and they haven't done this before like fill their brains with like fake character histories and relationships so I just wanted them to connect in a deep way as young women right and I asked them these really personal questions about their lives and they have sort of complicated relationships with their fathers and they both you know, are performers in in different ways, one from dance and one from music. And I let them write and I just let them be. And I I went away and I let them share what was in those journals just together without me. That's so wonderful. You feel that. Just wanted them to have like a secret history. on, And that was what was like almost most important. Yeah, you know, it's so funny you say like that sort of secret history because I feel like I feel like so much of, of when I've worked with actors and I and I feel this in your film, it's like building almost like you you can't be in the secret world that they're in together. You necessarily as the director need to be outside of it. And I think that what the two women did was you could really feel it from through the screen of like and and it is and it is it gives it that wonderful quality of like even there's maybe stuff you don't know as a director about them which allows you to observe them which is what it's like a wonderful way to think about it like like your state of not knowing isn't is 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 part of what allows you to capture something that feels real um that's really neat um i uh 
I, I mean, I, I think something um, I, I felt it, I felt was emotional because I felt it was real because um, because it is real is um, uh, the the people she talks to in New York, um, the people at Planned Parenthood. That the there's something that you capture of um, the kindness of not putting their emotion onto the moment. Uh, it, it's very moving how they do their jobs, and especially like the like the way. They're not, they're not bringing drama to it. It's almost like it's a combination of a medical professional and a therapist and someone who's navigating something delicate with somebody at a delicate moment. And it just, there's something about the like, I'm just asking you these questions and there's nothing that I'm putting on you, um, but we're going to go through them. And almost the neutrality of that, of what, I, I just... I wondered if it was something you were striving for or something that you just noticed. And that's why, you know, I know you cast a real um, employee and I, I just, it's so, it's so moving because there's no emotion put on top of it is I guess what I'm saying. And I, I don't know if you could t speak about that at, at all. Yeah, no. And I think you're doing it like a kind of a good way of talking about like what I want to achieve. And I think neutrality is an important part of it. Um, and, um, it's like, um, it's a state, you know, that I work to sort of find mm -hmm. on set. Um, yeah. and it, it like weirdly, cause you know, like I do have like a weird theater background and like, you know, that's part of like Jacques Lecoq and clowning, like this idea oh, right. of neutrality, being able to release emotion and release, you know, something from within. Oh, that's fascinating. I had no idea. That's, a gr that's great. <laughs> in a way, it does, yeah, it comes from, uh, you know, like another part of my life, you know, mm -hmm. in another way of thinking about performance. Um, mm -hmm. But I, yeah, I chose to work with like a real social worker um, but because it's not a documentary, it was challenging because I wasn't able to show every bit of like what they do and every bit of the process. And I had to pick and choose being sort of nervous that I would offend Planned Parenthood, you know, in omitting something that was important and especially in that counseling scene. Um, so it was delicate in terms of like the writing of it. And I went back and forth with a counselor over like what she does in real life and tried to marry it with like the sensibility of the writing, which is more stripped back. Right. Um, and in performance, like trying to get her to, you know, bring that sort of neutrality. And I think the film, you know, like the character is navigating so many unsafe spaces throughout this journey that by the time she arrives in that space, you know, before the procedure, it was like really important, the tone and 
you know, how she, you know, approaches her and interacts with her in order to get her to open up. But yeah, I don't know if that answers the question. No, no, that does. It does. Things that I was thinking about. Yeah, it does completely. I think it's, um, I think it, it, I mean, I guess this is sort of now a cliche way of saying it. It's, it allows the, you know, it holds the space for the thing to happen. It doesn't impose anything on top of it. Um, And it just is, I mean, it's clearly, it's such a, de- it's such a devastating moment, but I think it's also, dev- I mean, it's devastating because you're watching her face and watching her answer these questions, but it's also this realization that probably nobody has ever asked her these questions ever. So it's not even the answers, it's the sort of consideration of the question and that this is a woman doing her, her job and that it's so m- meaningful because it is considering something. Um, and I think that's, uh, it, it just, it, it, the emotion of the moment is, 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 is layered. It's not just because she, what she's saying or just because she's crying. It's mm-hmm. in any case, I, yes, yeah. great, great. Well done. <laughs> I, think, I think also, you know, I was careful. I was trying to be careful, I should say, of not making the people there too saintly. Oh, yes, exactly. That's right. That's right. Yeah. You know, and, yes. and the people in Pennsylvania, not too villainous. Right. You know, not like these gray zones. Yes. Are, are where the tone of the film lives. I think the not saintliness, though, of, of the, the, the social worker makes it more emotional for me because... Mm-hmm. It's not, it's, it's not s- someone who has angel wings and is perfect, who's being so, I understand. It's not that. It's a woman doing her job and a play. It's just, it's, it's sort of, I think that is the, the, the thing. And it's sort of not, it's incredibly, you, you're very angry and you're frustrated at the first woman she talks to, but you also sense that probably this woman's a true believer. So uh, you, she's, it's, it's not, you know, you're like, I, I anyway, as, this is a very specific thing, but the moment with um, uh, the payment and the hand um, in the, where did that come from? If, I mean, you don't have to tell me where it came from, but. Yeah, well, I think, you know, I think like you have this like gift of like kind of capturing the way people speak and, you know, it comes from improvisation and I'm like slightly inarticulate, I think. (laughs) And on the page, I'm just not confident in like the way in writing like certain kinds of conversational dialogue Mm -hmm. and I wanted a moment in the film where they both acknowledge that they would never speak about what happened, you know, on this trip together. Right. But it didn't work as a scene. Like I try sometimes to write those scenes and they're just bad. Oh no. I mean, I write so many things that are bad. I mean, 
when I started writing, I would have every scene start with people saying hi, and then they'd, <laughs> they'd have a scene and then they'd end it and they'd go, bye. <laughs> so <laughs> I just went through a script cutting all of the highs and the, <laughs> the entering and exiting of scenes that everything okay. starts with. And yeah. um, so, it, so you felt like those didn't work. So then that led you to. Yeah, finding something that's behavioral, you know, to communicate what they're both feeling. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and also, you know, there's sort of a motif of, you know, like hand holding and yes, and yes. Hands throughout. And there's is like a pinky, like, they, like pinky swear. I was I was worried maybe it would seem too immature for their ages. And but I just I went with it as a way to communicate. That you know they will you know this unspoken bond this journey that they'll never talk about you know that you know they're both doing something sort of transgressive on this trip that you know they'll bury right right it's an agreement to bury it right yes yes and the and and um. No, the, uh, the I feel the hands really do keep coming up, and and I no the, the and the part in the when she gets the paycheck or they take the till, it's just it's like you're like oh ah like it just you and you and she's so um, capable. I think part of what's um I mean I they're both so wonderful, but the um, Talia. Uh, is there's something so capable about her and she's so young. And I think that sort of the way you captured someone, I mean, it's the casting, it's the direction, but the, the sort of, she's so young and she so is able to navigate the bullshit of the world in the, in a way that's, um, you know, it's heartbreaking because you're like, thank God she's able to. And also, why does this girl know all this stuff? And I think, I, I don't know, did she, did you, when you, because you auditioned her, her so mm -hmm. did you feel, did she come in with that sort of, and, and it's not, it's almost like buoyant worldliness. I can't <laughs> even, I don't know what it is. Yeah, I, I think like what was, I guess what drew me to Talia Ryder at first, you know, was this sort of levity to her, you mm -hmm. know, and that she feels like more youthful in a way that the main character has this like crisis and you have to be able to see that. And this other character has to have this levity and this optimism, you right. know, and, um, together they create this unit. And I think, Talia has this dance training, mm -hmm. which I think somehow contributes to her expressiveness on screen mm -hmm. and her movements, her micro movements. Um, but it was also important that she always feel young and not precocious. Right, right. You know? And that they're able to do it because they're doing it together. Right, right. If that makes sense. And um, yeah, I think it, I think it's I think it's sort of interesting to sort of think back at like at like the dailies and 
there there's both just so much happening quietly you know inside them on screen that I don't know I I, it was it was fun to edit in a way because it was like you're documenting thought instead of documenting and covering dialogue that's like I keep saying all I want is to do something minimalist and and then when I saw your movie I'm like oh she's doing it it's that's so wonderful uh I'm gonna to imitate you um no it felt like you were documenting thought and I, yeah I, I was wondering when speaking of like takes and dailies and editing when you are do you do you have a sense like um when you're on set and do, do you have a I mean outside of you know technical things working and focus and all that do you have a sense of like oh that's the one I'm going to use and then it's right or no you don't know you don't know at all no um, I think, he, I, I don't know, where, did you shoot um, Little Women on 35? I did, yeah. Yes. Yeah. I don't know what the monitor situation is like for shooting on 35, but on 16, it's difficult. Yes, well, it, it, it's, um, you can see what the frame is, but that's it. I, I remember, it's was actually, there was like a there was like the first day we were shooting some, someone ran up, they were like, does it, does the shot look like this? And I was like, no, no, it doesn't look like that. It'll be different. And they were like, but when will we see it? And I'm like, when it's developed, it's film. <laughs> um, but yeah, so yeah, it's, a, no, it's not, it's, you can see what the framing is and that's about it. Yeah. So I sometimes, I mean, I think like with the pivotal scene of the film, we knew it was the first take. With other things, it's harder for me to gauge because okay. I think that um, you know there there you, you if shooting sixteen it forces you to not you know do this you know it forces you to look at the acting at the performances and the actors are acting for you you're the audience right um, and I look at it you know it's when it begins and I have a sense of you know, how it's going and what we need to do again. But it's hard for me in the moment to be like, that's it. Right, you right, have right. To see the whole thing. And you're, you're, not, like, you're not like, print that take. No, <laughs> no. And whenever, whenever the, the script supervisor would ask, you know, do you have a favorite pick or a favorite take? I'd be like, mm. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. I, I always like think I know and then I'll like look. I mean, sometimes I know, but also sometimes like you're totally wrong. And then you look at the selects later and you're like, oh, no, I was I was crazy. It's this other one. Um, but that's really interesting. I mean, you said about writing, you felt like you had um, like you knew you ne- the, the beats of the journey were never in question. Like you kind of mm-hmm. had. This, um, and then and then is like. I guess my question goes to, to editing and working with your editor, like, well, let me just start with a very basic, do you <laughs> let them do an assembly or no? Yeah, I think because we're shooting on 16 millimeter and we know it's hard to go back, you know, it's really hard to go do reshoots. My strategy has always been to have two editors working from the beginning and just like 
cutting quickly because then, you know, within, then, then, then there is more opportunity to go back for something if I, if I need it. And then like within a couple weeks of wrapping production, there is the assembly. Like it gets me to the assembly much quicker. So when, when they're, so, okay. (laughs) So the, the, so first question is when you, when you have them do that, are there in, on this project, were there times you looked at like certain scenes assembled and said like, we need to go get the reverse of the thing or uh, on this one? Yeah, I had a sense of sort of what the challenges were um, or if, um, yeah, like I think the first couple of days are really challenging of any shoot where everybody is just trying to sort of figure out how to work together as a unit where you're sort of understanding the dynamics and challenges and, you know, the new performances and just, you know, adjusting to seeing the movie that you've been working on. Right. Um, I, I don't remember if there was like anything specific that we had to go back for, but there were, I realized very early on that I had too much setup in the story, which happens all the time. Oh, like yes, yes, yes. Way too much world building, like way yes. too much. I totally, I, I, I empathize because I feel like it's, you're always like laying all this stuff out and then you realize audiences are so smart and they picked up everything you needed to tell them in like one second and you were like, oh yes. You're on board. We don't, why are we spending all this time being like, yeah. yeah. Why yeah. do we care where her mother works? Don't, doesn't matter. Doesn't, doesn't matter. matter. Yeah. Um, so I think very quickly I realized like how reductive the whole process is going to be and how much we don't need. Right. Right. Um, I think were you, were you trying to, were you trying to shoot in order? Not. Um, entirely in order, but I try and preserve like the general emotional structure of the film. Yes. So, do, you, do you work, uh, I don't know if you had the same AD, but do you work with your AD about building a schedule that like, I mean, that, I mean, I know I've, because my AD, um, Jonas, I like, he's so, he's so emotionally attuned and I feel like having an emotionally attuned AD is like life-saving. Yeah. It's the key to a successful movie is have (laughs) a really incredible AD who will work with you to protect and prioritize the performances. Right. Because you know, like what you were saying, like Indies, like, you can't have, you know, you're going to have to do some things that aren't pristine or exactly how you'd want them. But I think with you, when you're working with a great AD, it's like, well, yes, but we can do this or we can end the day here. And you're like, okay, well, that'll be, that's the right arc. And I think it's a, it's an aspect of um, being an AD that I think is um, just, I, I don't know. I, I, I can't, I don't, there's not enough I can say to talk about how much I value it. So that's completely mm-hmm. sense that you have the same. Yeah, it's the key, I think, to sort of unlocking really great performances. Okay, now, wait, now I have to go back to the assembly thing because, okay. 
So then when you watch the assembly, mm-hmm. do you, do you want to throw up or are you like, it's great? <laughs> no. no, I am really hard on myself. I'm not, I'm not nice to myself. Um, so it's a very challenging process and I always think I blew it. Um, <laughs> yeah. And my, my, my like life partner is my editor. Oh, so, nice. So his name is Scott Cummings and he's edited all my movies. And so, you know, we have to sit in this very intimate space where he watches me torture myself mm-hmm. and has to like be a real cheerleader and, you know, say, you didn't fuck this up. It's fine. Focus on the work. You didn't be great. And we you know we we go through it and um, yeah, like I knew I think with this project I knew I needed it, like a few reshoots um, mm-hmm. and I tried to sort of work really quickly to assemble the cut so that I could go back really quickly and beg for a few reshoots. And what were the reshoots you need? What but what parts were reshoots? Um. There was, you know, one performance that I wasn't so, I felt maybe tipped a little bit into that evil zone that we were trying to avoid because I didn't get to have the time, unfortunately, to work with the day players. Mm, Yeah. That was a challenge. And I know for the next film, you know, that I need, you know, to prioritize because I got to rehearse three days with Sydney and Talia, but I really didn't rehearse with anybody else. Right. And did you cast off of tapes or did that you see? Off of tapes. tapes. Um, And it's not, you know, the fault of the actor in any way. It's the fault of the process. Yes. 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 Um, So I didn't want, you know, somebody in that clinic in Pennsylvania, the center, not clinic, to feel too malicious. Right. And, I, and, and in a subtle way, and it's just subtly, I felt that I needed to go back. Yes, but it, I feel like this this movie, I mean, it really does live in these ambiguities. And I, it, if it's not ambiguous, it, it's like, so that makes total, I mean, it, it, it makes perfect sense to me that that would feel like, even if it was just like one degree too much this way, you might be like, it's like. False. Yeah, it's false. And then you like ruin the souffle somehow, or like you wouldn't ruin it. I'm not trying to be the terrible voice in your head. No, no. <laughs> but, you know, I, I know what you mean. Yeah. And I also, also because Sydney yeah. brought this really sincere performance, Mm, mm -hmm. you know, that um, it takes other people time to get to that place. And then sometimes it felt like she was so sincere that it was easy to make them feel just a slight bit. And it's also hard, I think, like you were saying, if someone, I mean, I always, because I, you know, as an actor, um, I think it's is it an actor if when I've had situations where I've come in for like a day on something or two days and there's like a thing set up and it's like there's always an overcome as an actor too so because 
you're sort of like, is it this? I don't know. You guys are, you guys have been doing this. And um, I, I think it, what you're saying about like a, a less or uh, something that you want to take with you is like working with, you know, day players. And I think that's really smart because I think it is, um, it's like that's, I always think about how there's certain, whenever I watch movies where like the like little parts are great, you're like, that's just wonderful. They, they, how'd they get that performance? And that's so, and I, and you, yours was one of them. So like you, you really, it's good. You, you got it as specific as you did because it's, it is, it's the thing that makes it all kind of live and feel convincing and, and real. Um, and speaking of Sydney, who's just so great, I one thing I was thinking about is the way the movie begins um, with her performing. Um, I did you shoot that first, or did you shoot it? You shot it later. We shot it later. Um, I had a couple. I had like a four days. I don't remember how many in Pennsylvania. Very limited. So we tried to do like street shooting first, like not, you know, like exterior work. And um, it's interesting, you know, like I tried to, because Sydney had never acted in a film before, I tried to put stuff I knew could be cut on the first couple days. So like lots of walking shots and things to just build up her confidence. Mm -hmm. Um, And we shot the supermarket because I felt like that was, it had everything I needed was in that supermarket in Pennsylvania. And I didn't think we would be able to find it anywhere in the, in the New York area. Right. Um, And then the rest we kind of had, then we moved to Yonkers and did her house um, and the high school we had to shoot actually in New York. And it was something that I was really worried about because um, I didn't want the extra, you know, the audience to feel New York. I didn't want right. the kids on stage to feel like New York City theater kids, you know, it was challenging. Right. We did it, I would say, like week two or something. But so still in the first half of the shoot, you know. It, I love sort of the that um, introduction to her of, of, of in it uh, perform performing like and 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 um it's I mean that's another moment for me that's so unbelievably heartbreaking in her in her performance is that kind of the her and then the her that's doing it and this kind of and I wondered if it was um was that always the way you knew you wanted to introduce her um is did it come out of um talking with her Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was, there were two impulses. Like one was that I met Sydney at a young, like when she was 14 and had been kind of tracking her on Facebook and she posted a lot of videos of herself singing. So it was something I always thought about in connection to the character. Um, but there's this, there's this great Ken Loach film called Lady Bird, Lady Bird. Oh, I know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> With the woman singing karaoke. Right. She's yeah. singing like this really sad song and a you know, man approaches her at a bar and says like, what do you have to be so sad about? Yeah. And I always thought it was such a beautiful beginning. It was sort of filtered into my 
thinking for this film, but also in connection with the real Sydney and her singing sad songs and putting them on Facebook. Right, and right, that's um, that's like a beautiful combination of like film, film nerd in real life and yes, together. no, it's a beautiful beginning. It's a great, Thank it's a great introduction. It's also just I think too, like it's her exhibiting not just who she is, but some amb- some ambition, some real ambition in a way that she's kind of embarrassed about, but she's also doing and. You just, it, 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 it feels like that's the girl you want to make sure she has access to um, always. The, 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 and the, you know, I don't know. I, and uh, it just is, I, I, it's, it's so many, so many moments. I feel like when she get to the end, you have this, I mean, I had very, I had, I felt a lot of relief for her in um, obviously at the end of the movie, but it just felt like uh, she can, it's like she'll, she'll live, she'll sing another sad song on a terrible stage and have not, people not understand it and what a wonderful thing. And not that she wouldn't be able to do it, but like, it's like she's, she can, I don't know. It just, it, it, it's like to start there. I feel like it, um, it just, it just gives you some some window into she's going to keep going. Like I want her to a little hope, a little yes, bit. Of, yes, yeah, yes. For her. yeah. That's what I wanted. Like it was obviously a way to introduce us to the town, like the context that it's high school. I was always forced to do like fifties talent shows, and I was yeah. thinking about like playing with misdirection, you know, like confusing the audience that maybe this, is this a movie set in the fifties or is just like a romanticized idea of this country in the fifties, but also giving her a little strength to start Mm -hmm. the film on because it is such a hard journey. We have to know she can get through it. Yes, yes, and perseverance. yes. Perseverance, to show that she has a little perseverance to push through this moment of shame and humiliation at this performance. Right, and that but she's gonna, she's gonna do it. It does, it makes you feel, I think without it, it might, it might, it's like it gives it something that's not, it gives it a little something that's not, bleak or not to, it's like a little, and then you feel like when you get through it, it's not like it's somehow, it somehow gives it something where, you know, when you get to the end, it's, it's going to be, it's not that it's okay, but it, um, I think it really perfectly positions you to go on this, this, um, this epic, epic journey with her. Um, and I, I really loved it. So I'm so uh, it was so fun to talk to you, and I'm I could do it for a long time because I, I I'm so interested in the two editors in the assembly and the rig and the whole thing. <laughs> I feel like that's where like and um, you know it's it's also such a pleasure because I think it's something I get to see the movies, but directing is something everybody does alone. Um, so I think Mike Nichols says. It's like sex. You're like, how is everybody else doing it? <laughs> um, but uh, so. Thank you. 
fascinating to talk Thank to you. Thank you. It was nice to reconnect. Yes. To see you after this epic year. Yes. And uh, I also um, really hope that the, the, the next time I see you, maybe we'll go to the movies. Um, that would be nice. <laughs> Thanks for listening to another DGA Q&A. If you'd like to hear more, The Director's Cut is available wherever you listen to podcasts. Stay tuned in the coming weeks as we bring you discussions of films from Sam Levinson, Miranda July, and David Fincher. And be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. We'd love to hear your feedback, and you can help fellow film buffs find the show. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is produced by the Directors Guild of America. Music is by Dan Wally. 